Welcome to Talking Confidence with me, Holly Kaplan. Having confidence in the workplace is essential for progress, fulfillment, and yes, survival. The issue is that confidence doesn't always come easy and is impacted and influenced along the way. Well, as a confidence coach, I know the key to finding and keeping your confidence is to recognize how professional situations have affected how you think of yourself. In this podcast together, we will examine exactly what impacts women's confidence in the workplace. We're going to get raw in these episodes. We are going to peel back the layers of social interactions, company culture, gender discrimination, ageism, and more. My guests will include entrepreneurs, corporate executives, and business owners. We are going to get down to what these women are really feeling. Expect vulnerability, openness, and relatability. But most importantly, expect to find your confidence. Today's topic is near and dear to my heart because I experienced this topic over and over in the workplace, and it played a big role in what drove me to write my book in 2017 titled Surviving the Dick Click. The topic we are addressing today is narcissism in the workplace. Here is the definition of narcissism, just in case you're wondering. Narcissism is a self-centered personality style characterized as having an excessive interest in one's physical appearance and an excessive preoccupation with one's own needs, often at the expense of others. There is a significant difference between normal, healthy levels of narcissism and people who are difficult slash self-absorbed or people having a pathological mental illness like narcissistic personality disorder. Does any of this sound familiar? If so, this episode is for you. Narcissism occurs in personal life, but it's also prevalent in the workplace. And at some point, if you haven't already, you will be faced with the challenge of working side by side or for a narcissist. You may be baffled by their behavior, belittled by their words, and bewildered as to how the hell to get along with them. Well, today we will be hearing from psychotherapist Leslie Austin, as she is the expert on this topic. Please be sure to listen through to the end of this episode so you can hear my tips on how to maintain your confidence while dealing with a narcissist in the workplace. Here's more on Leslie. Known to her clients affectionately as the lion tamer, Dr. Leslie Austin has been successful as a mentor and advisor working with senior level executives and leaders, organizations, and individuals for over 27 years as an expert in improving behavior. She is Society for the Advancement of Consulting Board Approved in Executive Coaching and Behavior Modification, is in the Mentor Hall of Fame, is a certified master mentor, and a licensed psychotherapist. She has appeared frequently in international media, including regular live guest expert appearances, on behavior on CNN's Headline News Network, the Fox News Network, and the CBS Early Show, among others. She has also studied and worked with the world of intuition, psychic phenomena, and the paranormal world for most of her life. Leslie, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited about our conversation today because this topic is near and dear to my heart. But before we get into our questions, let's tell the listeners a little bit how we know each other. Do you want to take that one or do you want me to? Sure. We know each other because we have a very dear and wonderful mutual friend, Jess Rydell, yes. who um, I had a wonderful conversation with and she introduced me to you. Talk about networking. 
Yes, I was going to say, and that's the best way to connect with people yeah. is through other people that you know and, and you care about. Yes, and Jess has been a guest on my podcast, and she's terrific because she makes me laugh a lot. Uh-huh. And when she said, you have to talk to Leslie, I'm like, well, if she's Jess approved, then it's approved. So, Well, that's set. funny because that's how I felt about talking to you. <laughs> I, I felt like if, if Jess recommended you that yeah. strongly, I had to get in touch with you yes, right away. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Well, we, yeah. we've had a, a new friendship, but it's definitely become a great one so far. A good so, one. Yes, yes, indeed. I'm very appreciative. So. Thank you. And thank you, Jess Rydell. With that said, we have a lot to cover today. But before we do, Leslie, will you please give us some background on yourself so the listeners can learn more about you? Yes. So let's start at the very beginning. Um, A very good place to start as they sing in a sound of music. Forgive me, I make musical references all the time. Um, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, and I identify as a New Yorker, although I am living in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I always say you can take the girl out of Brooklyn, but you cannot take the Brooklyn out of the girl. And actually, I think growing up in that atmosphere at the time I did informed a lot of how I view people and how I see the world because it was very diverse, but it was also a lot of strong personalities, as you know, <laughs> the way people think of Brooklyn. But um, so I'm from New York. I've been, uh, I used to say executive coach, but really what I am is an executive advisor and mentor. And I work with people, including uh, individuals and women who have challenging people, impossible Mm -hmm. people in their lives, Mm -hmm. or are dealing with their own issues where they just feel really stuck. And uh, I, I have a psychotherapy license, although I haven't done traditional psychotherapy in a long time, and I can explain why later on. Um, but that's basically my background. I've been doing this kind of work for over 30 years. Well, and I-, I love what I do, and I love helping people true themselves to who they really are. I love that because it's so needed, Leslie. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people, especially women, get away from themselves in these situations when you're dealing with an impossible person. Absolutely. And the thing, the thing that's so important that I keep working with people on and teaching them is you don't have to suffer. <laughs> you don't have to live in a stressed way because you've got an impossible person in your life. Once you begin to understand their MO, what really motivates them, why they are behaving the way they are, and you get the bigger picture, you realize that there are ways you can strategize, the ways you can behave, ways you can respond that will help you save your sanity many more times than not. And with really difficult people, and those are the people I would put in the category of narcissist, and Mm -hmm. I want to explain what I mean by that in a minute, Mm -hmm. um, the the traditional ways that people talk about narcissists and the traditional psychotherapeutic talk therapy ways of dealing with narcissistic clients or the people who have to live with or work with them, in my opinion, don't work. Right, right. Because oh. it's talking and it doesn't help you understand the behavior. And that is so important because I didn't in corporate America for years. So that's perfect segue. Because understanding the behavior is key to to learn how to deal with this. So since you're the expert, will you please tell us 
how do we know when we're interacting with a narcissist? How do we know? Because typically we just feel, we just feel frustrated uh, or angry or blocked. So how do we know what we're dealing with? What are some of the signs? Sure. Well, first of all, everybody knows the feeling. You don't agree with them on something, but you avoid the issue or you cave in because standing up to them is so unpleasant. True. And it's not worth the trouble in the long run. So, you know, dealing with these people can leave you endlessly frustrated and resentful. So what you need to look for are specific behaviors. And I want to just preface this by saying that what I'm talking about here is pulling back into the big picture, realizing, and this is key, what they are doing is not personal to you. I know that's hard for some people to understand. Mm -hmm. Their behavior is 100% always about them and what they think they need in the moment. They actually are not connecting to anybody else. They don't have the empathy or the ability to connect and see that they're hurting you or that you need something different. And that's why we feel like they don't care about us, because they don't. They're totally wrapped in their own world and, right. and don't have that ability to connect. So if you take that big picture and you realize in that sense it's not personal, although they may get personal because they're very shrewd, what they want to do is upset you and throw you off balance so that they can feel like they're in control. So specific behaviors. They always need to win, even over small, seemingly stupid things. Oh, I know the kind. Oh, yeah. do I know the kind. Personally you know, like, and professionally, both. Yeah, like you conclude a discussion in an email and they'll have to reply. Right. Even when reply is not needed. You're on the phone and you say goodbye and hang up and they'll call you back, send an email, do something so that they have the last move. Right. It On makes up them, to really big things. It makes them feel like they're in control. Yes, it does. Absolutely. Okay. And you're like, why Why does this keep happening? Yeah, I don't, so I don't they, get it. They absolutely need to feel they're controlling everything. They don't seem to really listen to you. And they always have to be right. So you can't tell them no without them retaliating. Right. Absolutely. So, you can guarantee it. How would you? Now, here's. let me just tell you the reason why. Uh-huh. So people understand. And this is where people who are not of this personality type have a lot of trouble understanding this. The reason they're doing this is they live in an inner world that is very chaotic and constantly under survival threat. Now, you're not going to understand this if you're not this personality. But secretly, underneath the bravado and the bullying, these are people who are terrified literally of being annihilated in every moment. Mm. It's win or die, my way or the highway, you're with me or you're against me. There's no middle ground. So they they react to every person and every interaction in terms of, does this make me feel good? Is it helping me or is it not? Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. never about the other person. It's never about reality. <laughs> it's never about the facts. It's always about seeing everything as an extension of themselves and do they like it or do they not. So when you understand that, and I know it's hard to get if you're not this personality type, I keep saying that because people go, what? It's really true. So the attempt to control everything is an attempt to manage the inner chaos that they live in. And this is really important. They don't know this. It's subconscious. That you know it means you have to be very ethical and careful not to manipulate them negatively or hurt them. 
because you could and you don't want to go there. You always want to take the high road when dealing with someone like this. That's so interesting because I always think they know because when I've dealt with narcissists, I'm like, surely they know they're getting this out of me. Surely they know how they're approaching this situation. Well, what they know is on a shrewd limbic system animal level, Mm -hmm. on an emotional level, they're very street smart. So yeah, they know they're upsetting you, but they don't know why it's important to upset you. They just know that when they upset you, they feel in charge. They feel powerful because they're having an impact on you. That's true. And you're you're getting chaotic or upset or this or that. They're they're enjoying it. They're calm. They are totally calm. Like nothing right. ever happened. I want to deviate. I have a question for you. That sure. I know you. I know the listeners are wondering themselves, and I know you'll be able to answer. Narcissism, nurture, or nature. Uh, a little bit of both. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's a deeper question. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mostly I would say the, the, the most significant influences on developing someone having a narcissistic personality are their very, very early experiences from birth on very early childhood mm-hmm. from childhood to five. Oh, wow. And, wow. and in that period of time, and what that person experiences is not being attended to, not being connected <gasps> to. Effectively, it's about it's attachment issues, and um, often being programmed against what they, what the the parent or caretaker doesn't really attune to the baby, and has the baby on their program. And so there's a, you know, infants are kind of helpless, human infants, animal infants aren't. It's interesting. You know, a baby deer is born and can run right away. (laughs) You know, um, animals know how to take care of themselves. They know they have the instinct to eat. They have the instinct. I'm watching some birds in a nest nearby, some uh, baby chick swallowtail kites who are quite beautiful, way up high in a tree. And I'm watching the parents flying in and out and feeding them. And I'm watching the two chicks starting to flap their wings. And then one hopped out on a branch and is flapping. And the parents are flying around saying, come on, you can do it. You can do it. They're teaching the baby how to fly. And then they'll teach him how to hunt once he flies. How does that chick know how to do that? He just knows. He knows he's supposed to do that. Human babies don't have that. So when we are not connected to in, in, and our needs are not met very early, our really primal survival needs, there's a subconscious terror. And if you want to get metaphysical, a soul issue that happens <gasps> where you feel like you're not um, living in a world that's safe. And those are the seeds and roots. And then, you know, there's a lot of other, a lot of other factors and personality and all that stuff. And if you're into it, you can talk about astrology and human design and all kinds of other systems <laughs> where right. you can map the psyche or say all that's garbage and just right. look at how the personality is formed in very early life and then how it's encouraged or discouraged. And our culture, unfortunately, has gone haywire to the extreme, supporting extreme narcissism uh, as if it's a good horrible. quality. Look yeah. at all our entertainment the entertainers. Oh. Look at all our politicians. You know, and we're now in a stage where there's, uh, okay, all narcissists are not evil. Most of them are not. They're just stuck in their patterns. They're trying to survive. They're not evil. That's something we need to know. Even though we may hate their behaviors, they're not really evil. Some are, and some are what I call malignant narcissists, even though it's not technically a diagnosis in the DSM. 
you know, a diagnostic manual. Yes. yes. Um, the difference is, and and this is totally misused in our in our media these days. They're throwing around these terms, like everybody who disagrees with you or is slightly a bully is a narcissist. Not true. It's just not true. There's a set of characteristics which we'll get to again in a minute. Um, malignant narcissist enjoys making you suffer, enjoys shaming you, enjoys crushing you and taking you apart and hurting you. Uh-huh, they do. And if you look, there are several major politicians in the last few years in the United States and in other countries who you can just say, wow, that guy loves hurting other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's an extreme pathology. Mm-hmm. That is evil. That is evil. Most the first the one you people- made me think of is what's happening with Russia and Ukraine right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Totally. And yeah, because there's no sense of reality there. Mm-mm. Mr. Putin is only interested in what he wants. And he's willing to have thousands of people die and destroy cities and disrupt the entire world's food chain supply. So he gets what he wants. Yeah. And, you know, if you study him, there are philosophies and people that he studied and who's, who he's a student of who espouse that philosophy. People don't matter. Only what you want as a powerful leader matters. Right. It's so true. And that trickles down into to life, I think. When you yes. see that type of behavior, I've never worked, worked for Putin, obviously, but I have worked with people who function in the same vein. And oh, yeah. Yeah. I, it's a false sense of power yeah. and achievement because, it, you know, they feel powerful in the moment, but the, the secret is they will never be satisfied. It's an endless quest for more, 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 because the core of who they are is empty and chaotic. So unless they do the work, yeah, it's very sad. I have a lot of compassion. I have worked with very narcissistic, mostly men, not entirely, in my work who were sent to me by somebody bigger and better than they were because they were on the edge of either legal problems from their behavior Mm-hmm. Or their career was about to crash and burn. And that's usually the only time people like that who are really successful will be open to any kind of coaching. And they come in um, contemptuous and ticked off. Like, who are you? You know, and, and I'm a woman. That makes it worse. Ooh, double So whammy. they love dismissing me. And what they don't know is in the first session, while they're trashing me and being condescending and all that, I'm watching their behavior patterns. And I'm watching how they do it. And I'm watching when they get me and make me feel terrible because inevitably I will always think, okay, this is the guy who's going to take me down. (laughs) This is the one who's going to show I really don't know what I'm doing in every session. And the minute I feel that, even after all these years, I know what kind of narcissist I'm dealing with and I know how aware he is or isn't of what he did. And I can get back and say, you know, what you don't understand is what you just did was this. And I explain, I explain the power play like a basketball play, you know, where they're all mapped out. You did this, you did this, you did this, you got me here. If I were your administrative assistant, I would make sure you had a miserable day and you'd never know I did it. Oh, wow. You don't want that. You don't want that. No. Let me help you take the blinders off. If you're getting bad PR from other people, You need to change your behavior. Let me help you so you can be a bigger, better king. And that makes them feel amazing. They're like, oh, I I can be bigger and better than I already am? Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. I I love this place. 
So I let them know I'm not remedial in any way. I want they're already uh. achieving a lot. I want them to achieve more. Those guys, when they and, and I say mostly men, those clients when they wake up and start doing the work, they're very challenging because they catch on quickly because they're so smart, and then they want more and more and more, and they become really good people. They're really fun after a while, you know, because they can deal with it. And I get calls from wives saying, "What did you do? This is the guy I met in high school." Haven't yeah. seen him in years, yeah. you know, but what I did was help the little guy in there or the young girl in there feel safe enough with themselves to know that they don't have to behave that way and they can get bigger and better wins from people by really connecting. That's amazing work, Leslie. If yeah. you could get somebody there, that is amazing. Work. Yeah. Now, sometimes I work, you know, with, with individuals say for a 10-week program, because mm-hmm. in doing this, you don't necessarily have to do long-term work. You can if you want to, but I like to do it in 10-week cycles. And I work with uh, a, a lot of women come to me who are having difficult relationships, whether it's personal or in business or whatever. And it's the same principle, understand the behavior patterns and understand the motivation. And then that gives you strategies for how to respond that will get you attacked many fewer times. So you have to remember inside every bully is a person who's scared and feeling inadequate. And you have to assume you're going to be made wrong. They will, because it's a power thing. Don't take it personally. Don't ever say no directly. You don't want to oppose or contradict them, Uh even when they're wrong. Right. So here's a strategy. When they say something, I'm sorry, did you want to say something? No, go ahead. Go ahead. When for example, they say something that is, you, you, say it's your boss, and he or she says something that is blatantly wrong. It's incorrect. Let's mm-hmm. say they're looking at numbers, a spreadsheet, and the numbers are wrong, and they're saying something about them as if they're right. If you say the numbers are wrong, they need to be this, they'll argue with you or they'll find a way around you, right. even if the numbers are wrong. Because they won't admit being wrong. And they hate being surprised. They hate being surprised. And they hate that you know something they don't. Remember, it makes them feel terrified. Yes, it does. Because they don't feel like they're in control. So so here's the principle. You always want to find a way to give them a win that you can live with. So here's how you do that. And I have people memorize these sentences. Can you help me figure out how to look at this? Uh Because... I, under, I get what you're saying. I understand what you said. I get, I get how you can say that. And in your mind, you're saying, because you're stupid. But you're not saying that out loud. I get how you say that. They will take that as alignment. And then you say, this looks like this to me. And you say the correct numbers. How, can I th- how, how should I look at that? How do I think about that? Right. So you're asking, oh, great wise one, please advise me. In the meantime, you're showing them what's correct. They will usually agree with you and change one little thing about what you did so they can take credit for it. Right. Yes. Let them. That's the bargain for having them not attack you. Right. Right. It's it's so true. And I've had that happen before. And I want to get into that because I want you to give us our list of do's and don'ts. Yeah. But I want to back up some. Um, to something you were saying before, so people mm-hmm. can kind of understand the characteristics. I wanted to go back there to the characteristics because I sure. think if anything, people want to know what they're dealing with and how to recognize it. Because I didn't, 
I did not. I just thought it was how I was supposed to be treated and I accepted it and I got run over and I thought it was fine. And so did my colleagues. We all thought this was normal because we did not know the characteristics. Can we go back to that? So our listeners will be able to pick it out when they see yeah. it. So I'll, I'll be brief, but there are two groups here. Okay. <clears throat> There's how they behave and there are your reactions to them. Right. So there are two groups okay. of how you identify them. So how they behave. As I said, they always need to win even over small, stupid things. They need to feel they're controlling everything. They don't wow. really listen to you. They can't be told no without retaliating. They always have to be right. They know everything. And they micromanage you. <laughs> All right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> and you need to know that if you ask them, for something that's a yes or no, they will automatically say no first. True. You're going to get it It's my way or the highway. You're with them or you're against them. So those are characteristics. You know, you can't surprise them with anything. They always act like they know everything you're already telling them. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So your reaction to all this is you absolutely feel frustrated because you can never win with them. Yes. You know, you, they make you feel like you can never do anything well enough for them. No. You feel um, belittled and diminished in their presence. Yes. You you can <laughs> feel enraged that they won't listen to reason. No. You know, you, you're walking on eggshells. You don't ever feel acknowledged or praised. It's very confusing when they insist what you know is true is not true. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's called gaslighting. Yes. And gaslighting comes from a, originally, a, 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 I believe, it was a stage play in England, then an English, a British film, and then an American film with uh, Charles Boyer and Ingrid Bergman. Very famous film, in which the man in the film does a whole lot of things to convince the woman, Ingrid Bergman, that she's going crazy. And that's called gaslighting because he was using the gaslit lamps in the house and making them flicker when she didn't know why they were flickering. And she'd say, why are they flickering? And he'd say, what's wrong with you? They're not flickering. Right. That's where that came from. Amazing. That's it. It's great to know these behaviors because yeah. it will help people understand what's happening to them in the moment instead of just feeling like crap. Right. So Later. when I'm working with a client, for example, there's a little exercise I pop on them, and, you know, whether it's in person or on Zoom. And I usually have a, a glass of water on my desk or iced tea or something. And it's usually either clear or it's a pretty blue glass. So let's say it's a blue glass. I hold it up to the screen so they can see it. And I say, see this glass? And they say, yeah. I say, beautiful green, isn't it? And they say, no, it's blue. And my the what what I do then is, what do you mean it's blue? This is green. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Should you have your eyes checked? Is there something wrong with you? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. This is really upsetting me. This is green. And then I put it down and I say, obviously the glass is blue. But even though the absolute reality is you knew that you were correct, you started to feel really uncomfortable. And like confused. Yes. And that's what narcissists do to you. Why would you feel confused even though you know the glass is blue and not green? Because they are so insistent that reality is not reality. Right. That it can make you feel confused and off balance. And that's when they feel they're in control. So what you're saying is, is, is 
that's how to recognize when you are dealing with the narcissist, when you consistently feel confused, when you consistently- Confused, frustrated, yes. belittled. Yes. You can't talk to them. You're on eggshells. You don't get praised or acknowledged. They take credit for your stuff. Um, you feel angry around them in general. Right. And put down. Right. And just very frustrated because you can't go reasonably and calmly and say, look, I worked on this project. It's great. Will you approve it? The answer will be no. Oh, or they'll no. change it enough. You oh, know? they change it. They change it over and over again. I'm like, this is what right. you asked for. But I appreciate you going back to that confusion, frustration. Sure. Because I want the listeners to be able to compartmentalize this area so right. they can check it off in their, in their brain when these things happen. That leads me to my next next point. Well, here's what I'd like to know. Five do's and five don'ts. And you kind of went over this earlier. Yeah. Um, five do's and five don'ts. You're dealing with a narcissist. Let's go. Right. Let's start with the five do's because you were, you were talking about that a couple of minutes yeah. ago. And that was okay. teaching me something. So let's start with that one. Okay. So number one is give them a win you can live with. Find something that they will experience as a win. The sentence, I can see how you'd say that. <laughs> even, though one you of those, even though you don't really believe Well, it, no, you, anyway. you can see how they can say that because you know they're dumb no, or they're true. wrong. Or they're, you, know, yeah. you, you have to stay, they can smell if you're uh, trying to um, put one over on them, you know, if you're not being ethical. Mm -hmm. So you've got to say something that's true, but it doesn't mean it's true in the way they will hear it. Right. So things like, I can see how you'd say that. Um, I understand that, but help me think this through. You know, those kinds of things. Uh, they will hear that as affirmation and you're not an opponent. So give them a win you can live with. Um, offer, here's a great strategy. When you need a yes or no or an approval, offer two alternatives. Yes. Both of which you can live with. Don't give them a yes or no. Let's say you have plan A and plan B and you slightly favor plan A. What you do is you go to them and you say, please help me think this through. Oh, great, wise one. <laughs> here's plan A and here's plan B. And I'm slightly favoring plan B, which is not the one you're really favoring. Right. But they feel like they can make the decision then because they, right. can, they can say, well, Leslie wants B. So we're going to go with A and it's my you decision. Got it. And I exactly. feel great. 95% of the time yeah. they will choose A and you have to understand they will change something in it so that they can then take credit for it. They won't leave it intact. They'll put their mark on it. It's like, forgive me for a crude reference, but it's like a dog marking its spot when it's out on a walk. This I is mine. Spot. Now I'm going to leave my, my, my fluids here. Oh, so true. It's so yeah. true. And believe me, worse has been said on this podcast. That's totally fine. Yes. Right, same thing. Great analogy. So that, you know, those two alternatives are really important. Find ways to let them experience you as aligned with them and not opposing them. Right. So remember, you know, well, we'll get to the don'ts. Right. Um, observe their patterns impersonally. You really need to go into the big picture and step out of it. It's like you're mapping out the moves in a football game or a basketball game. And we all know, even if you're not into sports, you know that there are playbooks where the moves and the strategies of where the ball goes and what the team's strategy is going to be are mapped out. These behaviors have a playbook and they are predictable. One of the things that sometimes when I'm working uh, with individual women who are ar around narcissists, whether it's personal or at, at work, not the narcissists themselves, is that I can, I can predict before they tell me what's going on, I can tell them what the next move is going to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
And on some profound level, it's really boring. It's garden variety, <laughs> absolutely predictable pattern. And that's because I'm on the outside and I've been looking at it for so many years. But when you're in it, it's excruciatingly painful and your blood pressure goes up and you're stressed and all that. But once you realize there's a pattern, if you can start to shift your mind and look for while they're doing it to you, what's the pattern? What are their moves? So you take yourself one step out of it. You're not totally in it. You're observing. Really helpful and really important. And the last thing, and this is crucial. Make sure that you keep your dignity at all times. And that includes letting go of having to have it be your way by your having to be right. You've got to be fluid. It's like they're speaking Greek and you're speaking French mm -hmm. and they're your boss and they are just not going to learn French. So you better learn Greek if you want to get along and have a relationship with them, which means you learn the language. So here you're learning the emotional language, the psychological language, the behavior language. Okay, I'm kind of in awe right now. I'm processing this. <laughs> I am. Take, because, um, and remember, take the high road. Go to the big picture. It's not personal. Take the high road. Now, you just made a noise. Most I of my did. clients that make that noise. That was a growl. Yes. <laughs> most, of my clients, most of my clients make that growl. Oh. And absolutely inevitably. When I work with someone who is around a narcissist and has to manage their lives with them, the first reaction they have is, why do I have to do all this? Why can't they just be normal? And the answer is, because they're not. They're not going to be either. They're not right. going to change. So if you want to make your life better, it's on you to learn a different set of behaviors. And your life will change, and they will attack you fewer and fewer times, and then it'll get less and less severe. And eventually, because they're not getting the juice from you of you being upset, they'll get bored and go pick on somebody else. And they'll only go after you once in a while. They'll That's see you in his ally. so funny when you say that, because when I was on a sales team, we would joke because the manager would be on Steve, and then he'd be on Bill, and then he'd be on Mary, and then he'd be on yeah. me. And we're like, well, whose week is it this week? It's going right. to be one of us. Yeah, we it's, joke about it. The person whose week it would be would be the one who's going to get upset. Yeah, yeah. Who he gets the juice from, the energy, you know, of, of disturbing them. Therefore, you saying keep your dignity. That's what yeah. you meant. And you have to let them have the wins. So a lot of my clients say, why do I have to do this stuff? And the answer is because it will make your life better. Get off of being right. Don't take it personally. This is a strategy. This is a, a, a set of strategies to a set of behaviors that you're not going to change. And when you do the strategies right, guess what? Their behavior towards you will change. It absolutely will, and they don't know why, but it's because you're doing the right strategies. You're not challenging their trigger points, and they'll eventually see you mostly as an ally. I think you just validated something else that I did not do. I did not do that in working with narcissists in the workplace. I did not. I did not become an ally. I, I had a really hard time with that. And, right. Most and my colleagues were good at it. Some were really yeah. good at it, and I was like, I don't get it. Right, and it's easy to think that somebody mm. who uh, positions themselves as an, as an ally is sucking up. Um, they might be, but if they're doing it correctly, it's actually a survival strategy, and you know you're not really agreeing to anything that you don't believe in. Right. Well, you just gave me a perfect segue to the five don'ts because I think you probably have a really good list there too. What are the top five things right. you don't I'll go do. through these uh, pretty quickly because I've explained them. So most important thing, don't take it personally. Right. It's about them. It's their stuff. They do it to everyone. 
well, but they say stuff and they really hurt me. They really get me personally. They know about me. Yeah, because they're street smart. That's not personal. That's to make you upset. They don't care about you. Mm -hmm. They just care that you're off guard so that Mm -hmm. they can feel powerful. Never say no directly. Never say no directly. Never oppose or contradict them openly. They don't like that. No, hate it. Don't surprise them because they will smack you down in one way or another because they get terrified that you know something they don't know. Okay. You don't want to show them up right. that you know more than they do for the same reason. Right. Because Those are the most obvious things. Then you're an opponent. Yeah. And when they sense the opponent, they want to take that person down. Right. What What you need to get good at is learning the language and the responses that can you can say truthfully for yourself that can be heard or interpreted by the narcissistic person as alignment a sentence like i can i can i understand how you could say that i get how you could say that yeah it's completely true you do get how they would say that and they hear it as oh i agree with you you're right that's true that's their perception oh i agree with you that's how it works. Okay. I'm glad you told us this. I'm very clear now on do's and don'ts, characteristics. Um, You're giving me a great roadmap, but I know everyone listening is getting it too. Takes practice. It does. Don't be frustrated. What do we do when we feel like nothing works with that person? What do you do, Leslie? Well, Two things. First of all, you you really learn and practice these strategies. You really learn and practice them. And the more you get good at them, you will absolutely feel embarrassed that they're working. And every one of my clients who learns these ends up saying to me, don't they see what I'm doing? It's so obvious. And the answer is no, because they're not aware of their own patterns. They don't see it, which is why I, I insist that you be ethical and take the high road, not hurt them, because they really don't know what you're doing. Um, so there's an embarrassment that it works. Over time, and it takes practice, you put your ego where it belongs and you just get along and you manage. Now, if someone does not respond to these strategies and you continually are hurt and there's no progress at all, no matter what you do, no matter how good you get at these strategies, that's a person who's toxic that you should get away from. Okay. So if... If they are really consistently hurting you deeply or you feel that they're an extreme end of the spectrum and there is no way in, no matter how well you do these strategies over time, because as I say, it takes practice, these eventually become instinctive, but it takes, you know, a few, I commonly work with people 10 weeks, sometimes longer. It takes time to kind of get it in your gut how to behave until it becomes instinctive. If you're not getting anywhere and you're still feeling you know, tense and angry, and you're just not getting any better, you need to get away from them because there is no opening there for making it better. Right. I've been there. I'm going to say that again. And it got to a point where it wasn't working anymore. And it was time. And it's too toxic. It's too toxic. toxic. It's too toxic. I think that speaks to personal and professional both. Yeah. So that's when you know, and it's interesting you said spectrum. Yeah. You said there are good narcissists out there. There are. But then Listen, you have the you other side where they're not. So. You can't be. Here's the thing about narcissism that's so misunderstood. Every one of us has narcissistic traits. It's the trait that says, I can do this. I can lead you. This is who I am. Every enlightened leader we have ever had has been a strong narcissist. 
the, the balanced, healthy narcissist says, you are in safe hands. Let me lead you. Follow me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gandhi was a narcissist, hmm. for example. Um, and the really good leaders, you know, guides, counselors, anybody who really supports you and moves you along with a sense of confidence and is clean about it has to have good, strong narcissistic traits. I've met some wonderful, brilliant CEOs of very major corporations who I would say are almost enlightened people, not quite, <laughs> extremely narcissistic, using it to the highest good, using it well really wonderful leaders. So you really need to get off that narcissist. Narcissism is bad categorically. All narcissists are evil. They're not. There is a spectrum of healthy to mixed to unhealthy to really uh, psychopathology and toxic. Right. Well, I appreciate you explaining that so people do know the difference mm-hmm. and what you can put up with and when it's, when it's time to go. And Absolutely. Just saying the other end of the spectrum, the toxic end is when you know that's it. There's no more. Okay. This is going to come as a shocker, but this show is about confidence. It's about confidence. This is something I struggled with. And I want to ask you, what advice do you have for individuals dealing with a narcissistic person as far as keeping their confidence high? When you're dealing with someone like that, how do you keep yourself elevated? Other than knowing it's not personal. How else can you do it? Well, knowing it's not personal is really key. And the second part of that is it's their stuff. It's not about you. Mm -hmm. You really have to remember that. So the minute you feel diminished, not confident, less than, put down, you need to flip your mindset and realize, oh, they're doing that to me. That's not me. Mm I don't have to take that in. That's their stuff. Okay. That's great. I don't have to take that in. I don't have to take that in. It's their stuff. You put like an invisible shield around you and have it wash off or bounce off. It's they're throwing all this stuff at you, but that doesn't mean you have to take it in and listen, particularly since it's not meant to help you. Mm. It's meant to disturb your balance, throw you off. Very, very true. Mm-hmm. So you keep your dignity and you keep your confidence. You are who you are and they can act well or badly, but it doesn't mean you're not who you are. Who's, you know, do you trust the person's opinion? Do you respect their opinion of you? Because if you don't, why would you let it affect you? Oh, that's a good one too, Leslie. That's good. Yeah. Do you give them the authority to evaluate or assess you? I wouldn't. Ooh, I wouldn't either. You, you have your, your plastic shield. You have right. your shield around you. Just bounces yeah. off. That's a great right. way to mental, mentally visualize it, mm-hmm. is protecting yourself. Yep. Well, you have been wonderful on this episode, and I would love for you to come back because there's so much more for us to talk about. Oh, I'd be happy to anytime. Well, how can people get connected with you in the meantime, Leslie, if they want to know more about you or have you speak at an event? How can they find you? It's very easy. You can contact me through my website, lesliaustin.com, L-E-S-L-I-E-A-U-S-T-I-N.com. There's a contact form there. Um, If you think you want some of these strategies, I have a little uh, pamphlet. You can have a free gift pamphlet. You go to lesliaustin.com forward slash offer, O-F-F-E-R. And there's also a link there if, if you want to have a, a conversation of a few minutes with me. 
And that's not necessary, but you can get this the free pamphlet with a lot of this in there. That's very helpful just to remind you. Uh, anyone listening, I have the pamphlet. It's awesome. It's terrific. And I highly recommend getting into a conversation with Leslie. And Leslie, you've taught us so much today. And I'm really grateful that you're here with me. It's my pleasure. And thank you for, for doing such a wonderful conversation. Glad we did it. Thanks. Yeah. Dealing with a narcissist is never easy. As we covered in this episode, recognizing their behaviors and understanding not to take things personally are key. That said, they can still impact our confidence. I know because I've been through it. Here are my two tips for you today on how to keep your confidence high when dealing with a narcissist in the workplace. Firstly, remember their actions toward you aren't about you. It's all about them. And when you realize this, you will get your power back instead of caving into their own dysfunction. Secondly, keep your distance from the narcissist at work if you can. Limit interactions, share little if any personal information with them, because by doing so, you are keeping your dignity and confidence high. Those are my parting words today. This is Holly Kaplan. Cheers until the next episode of Talking Confidence. Thank you, Talking Confidence listeners, for joining me today for this episode. If you would like to connect with me personally for confidence coaching or speaking events, you can reach me at hollycaplin.com. If you would like to buy my book, Surviving the Dick Click, A Girl's Guide to Surviving the Male-Dominated Corporate World, you can find your copy at amazon.com. Thanks.